I have two words for you, Disney World. Immediately, most people will conjure up images of the most magical place on earth, a place where, as you walk into the gates, you forget the outside world exists, where every cast member is there to serve you, and be our guest is an action verb. Disney really gets hospitality. On today's episode, we'll explore how we can incorporate more hospitality, especially the radical hospitality of Christ, into our lives. I'm Lyra Christensen. Thanks for joining us on the Embodied Holiness Podcast. You're listening to Episode 6. This is a podcast about how we can let the life of Christ live itself out in our everyday lives. In each episode, we take an everyday topic and talk about how we are encouraged and challenged in that aspect of life to embody and reflect the characteristics of Christ. We're not perfect. We're not experts. We're regular women who are seeking, like you, to embody holiness in our everyday. So if you don't feel spiritual, if you aren't sure how to grow in holiness, or if you just like some company on the journey, then you're in the right place. I'm Lindsay Lewis. I'm Lyra Christensen. And I'm Susan Eaton. Thanks for being a part of the community and conversation as we learn how to embody holiness together. Be our guest. Be our guest. Let Hi, everyone. Today we are... Okay, ladies, that's enough. Okay. Yes, we are very excited today, as you can tell. And thank you for your excitement. Because we are talking about... Disney, Disney World. Disney. And I love Disney. Okay, actually, we're talking about hospitality. Yeah. But for those of us that, that love Disney. We love Disney. It's the first thing you think about when you hear the word hospitality is how Disney does hospitality. Right. Lyrely, you and I, we share the love of the magic. And so I just want to know, like, what is it about Disney that makes you feel so darn good? I mean, when you walk into Disney, you just feel like no matter that there is a million people with you, that you still matter to them. That one human being still matters to them. Yes, you're an individual. You are an important customer. Maybe even more than an important customer, you are just an important person. You're right. a VIP. Right. Everyone feels like a VIP. That is true. And, you know, I think Disney is doing a lot of things right. And I think it's a great start for us looking at how transformative the act of hospitality can be. But as followers of Christ, we're called to an even deeper level of hospitality, a radical hospitality. And Susan, you were talking about a great quote that Mm -hmm. you were reading that talks about this idea of radical hospitality. Will you read that for us? Yeah. So this this comes from Bishop Robert Schnazy. Kazuntite. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's from his book, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. And this is what he says about radical hospitality. Radical means drastically different from ordinary practice outside the normal. And so it provokes practices that exceed expectations, that go the second mile, and that take welcoming the stranger to the max. And so we actually gave ourselves a little assignment Mm -hmm. this week to explore scripture a little bit and find places where we saw that kind of hospitality that radical hospitality that exceeds expectations goes the second mile and all of that so what did you guys find this week I really started thinking about the story of the good Samaritan there was this Jewish man who was beaten and robbed and left for dead and then the Samaritan came along and saw him 
And he was moved with compassion, the Bible said. He was moved Mm -hmm. with compassion to help this man. He didn't have to help. He Mm -hmm. didn't have to stop. But instead, he bandaged the man up and took care of him and took him to an inn to be taken care of and then gave money to the innkeeper and said, if this is not enough, I'll be back and I'll pay more. Just take care of him. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, it does say it's hospitality from the least likely place, but it's also radical because of the animosity between the Jewish Mm -hmm. people and the Samaritans. Lindsay, did you find something? Uh, So Susan gave us this homework and I use this new tool those of you that are not professional podcasters like we are may not know about this tool. It's called Google. Have you heard of it? Google. Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I admit, I admit, I literally typed in Jesus Hospitality into Google. Uh, highly suggest typing things into Google. You never know what you might find. What I found. So many scripture references to hospitality. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Well, I guess Susan knew because she's <laughs> preached a sermon or two on it before. But so many references and so many incredible stories in the Bible about radical hospitality. But the p- most powerful one for me was the story of the thief on the cross. This man was a convicted criminal. And the Bible says that he was justly condemned. So we know that, you know, he did the deed. He was not he was not sinless. He was not blameless. But even more important than that, Jesus is going through the most trying experience of his life. And that's even putting it lightly. I mean, he is giving of himself his sinless, um, perfect life as a sacrifice for our sins. And during this experience, he still finds the time to be hospitable to this man. Now, this man, look, he didn't have time to jump down off that cross and go make up for all these bad things that he did. (laughs) He didn't get to clean it up. He didn't get to make up for his wrongs or um, go throw a few pieces of change into the offering plate or (laughs) go help someone. There was no time. But he asked Jesus to remember him, and Jesus did. And Mm -hmm. he invited him into his Father's kingdom. And that's so powerful to me that Jesus showed this radical hospitality to the undeserving in his most trying times. On the worst day of his life, he was still showing hospitality. When he knew, I mean, he's looking at this man Mm -hmm. and knowing what I'm suffering is because of you and all humanity. And to me, it is so radical that Jesus would give us this same invitation. He remembers us. He is showing us that radical hospitality every day, not because we deserve it, not because we're going to clean up and do everything right from this point forward. Um, Right now, Mm -hmm. he remembers us and he is inviting us. We are invited to his father's kingdom. Love it. It's incredible. Love it. Good good one. Well, that actually kind of fits well with the one that I had picked out, which was the call of Matthew. Um, So here Jesus is walking along. He comes across Matthew, who is a hated tax collector because tax collectors basically worked for the oppressors, the Romans. And Jesus comes up to Matthew and says, come, follow me. Okay, Matthew does. He gets up. He comes and follows Jesus. He goes, Jesus goes to dinner at Matthew's home. And we're told that there are all sorts of other inappropriate people at this <laughs> dinner party, right? It's not the who. All the wrong the people. Who's who, the who's who of, wrong, of Jerusalem. Sinners <laughs> and tax collectors. And that was, you know, one reason why Jesus was so looked down upon because that level of love and grace and hospitality of welcoming every person was not 
not really understood why he was doing that. And what I find fascinating is that if you look at the list of disciples, so we know we've got Matthew, a tax collector, but we've also got someone called Simon the Zealot. So here Matthew is in cahoots with the Roman government. And then you've got Simon the Zealot, who's basically a religious fanatic, whose main, you know, purpose in life basically was overthrow the awful Romans, spill the Romans' blood. And Jesus invites both of these people to be in his close group of disciples. And how radical is that, that his community is made up of people who would never have come together. You've got Matthew, who is not Torah observant at all anymore, who's probably looked down on because he, you know, has just walked away from the faith. And then you've got the most strongly zealous religious person who, you know, right, and they're in the same group. Mm-hmm. That's radical too yeah the, the, the community that's created because of Christ's radical hospitality that speaks to me and challenges me because I want to know do our churches look like that do our communities of faith look like that do do we look like do that? we look like that do are we comfortable with that much diversity and difference that we would focus more on what we do have in common which is the love and grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ than what divides us and makes us different And it makes me think that radical hospitality is going to look like radical inclusion. Yes. It is bringing together. It's a ragtag team of believers. But it's so easy for us to know our own sins and say, oh, we're, you know, we're forgiven by the Mm -hmm. grace of Jesus. Amen. But then to look at others and think, oh, look at them. I I mean, we hope that we're not that way, but we we are. You know, there's so many examples of just... Lacking that inclusi- inclusivity. <laughs> <laughs> inclusivity. But it also makes me think it's going to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to oh. be uncomfortable to show radical hospitality that, to allow these people who may be so different from you to be included. Larry, that is an excellent point. And, and we don't like to be uncomfortable. We do not. No, Mm-mm. not at all. And I imagine that Good Samaritan was very uncomfortable. He's showing up with someone that hates him. And he's going to come to this... Uh, you know innkeeper and ask this favor I mean that had to be really uncomfortable and let's be honest we've all wondered did the um, Samaritan come back and ever check on the Jewish man ever again I wish we could finish that story I wish yeah maybe that, <laughs> I but, feel you like know, he did I like I like that Jesus leaves us uh, yeah because with yeah. the hey who is the compassionate person who you know who yeah. is the one that was the neighbor the one who showed mercy so go and do likewise Susan you said something the other day that I It just really changed my perspective on what hospitality is. So I'm going to quote you. Okay. Okay. How can I bring some freedom into this person's life is a question that we ask ourselves when we are thinking about hospitality. That Mm -hmm. hospitality is the action of love and it is freedom bringing or it brings freedom, Mm -hmm. I should Mm -hmm. say. And that idea of hospitality being an act of freeing someone, um, it's just incredible to mm-hmm. me because mm-hmm. it's not about just creating this feeling. You know, when we talked about Disney and those warm feelings, there's not anything wrong with that. But it goes beyond that. It's investing in others to connect with them and then to connect them with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're called to do is to to help connect one another with Christ. Um, as we have been called into the kingdom through hospitality, mm-hmm. we share that hospitality 
with others. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing my quote. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you where that came from. I was struggling um, in my prayer time to understand truly how to love others. And my prayer was, Lord, it is so... It should be so basic, but it is. I'm having a hard time really understanding how do I love other people because love can be so anemic. That definition in mm-hmm. our culture, it means so many things. It means I love chocolate cake, and it means I love my children, and those things are not, yeah, equal. not equal. Yeah, absolutely. C- yeah. Cake is higher on the list, right? Yes. Some days, yes. Some days. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, just kidding. Well, and so I was just seeking some understanding some clarification Mm -hmm. lord what what do you mean i don't want to just walk around you know with this generic anemic version of love and not do anything about it because i don't totally get it and that what the lord revealed to me was think about love as bringing freedom love are actions that bring freedom into someone's life and so all you have to do to love another person is say How can I bring some freedom into their life? Whether it's freedom from feeling lonely, a freedom from feeling left out, a freedom from whatever it is. You know, how is there anything I can do for you right now that can bring some freedom into your life? So I've experienced that kind of hospitality before. Mm -hmm. We, I was about four or five months pregnant with my oldest daughter when, um, we moved into our house and we didn't really get to know many neighbors before we had children and when we came home of course there was it's a girl sign in our front yard and one day someone comes and knocks on the door and i walk over to answer it and it's this neighbor who i've not met who had brought us dinner she had cooked dinner for us because she knew we had a newborn baby in the house and that was so wonderful that that night she freed us of having to cook and if you remember how exhausted you are when you bring a baby home any amount of dinner is thankful. You're just grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, literally, hospitality is radical, but it's also in those small everyday acts of kindness. That was so mm-hmm. meaningful to you. I still, that you remember, still it. remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget how powerful those small little acts of kindness can be, like listening to someone. Oh, yeah. You know, we, it's so basic listening is we just take it for granted um i think a lot of us think that we are much better listeners than we really are i might resemble that remark (laughs) (laughs) well i came across this quote this is from a book called radical hospitality benedict's way of love and this is what it says hospitality is a way to counter the thousands of times another human being has felt less than human because others didn't listen Listening is the power of hospitality. It's what makes hospitality the life-giving thing it is. When you listen, you get past yourself too. That's something we all need to do a little more. In the listening stance, the focus switches from the self to the other. And I, I read that. I thought that was so powerful because I had never heard before, listening is the power of hospitality. Yeah. Wow. And this is really tough for me because I find that, and I don't know if you ladies experience this as well, but sometimes I want to keep conversations at the surface level. I'm afraid to get deep in the trenches with, with people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about boundaries, but a lot of times it's more just about, I don't want to get caught up into Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to take the time. I don't want to share in their suffering. And, um, gosh, it sounds... 
it sounds terrible to say that, but I, I think a lot of us probably experience that. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we're called to be the community of Christ, and we can't do that if we keep others at arm's length. And and what if we started to listen? I, I think about what if I took less time talking, Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> we could work on that. But what if I do listen to that person, and I hear their suffering, and maybe I can bring a little freedom mm-hmm. in into their lives. And so um, I'm going to work on that. You know, I, I really want to think about why I'm keeping people at an arm's length mm-hmm. and if it is um, an area where I can really explore more of that hospitality of Christ. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, another simple thing that we can do is just to look up and notice people. Yeah, so simple. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about how in a grocery store, when you're just concerned about getting your stuff loaded up and paid for that, you know, we don't often look in the eyes of the person who is our cashier. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how often they're ignored during the day by everybody who comes or through. Being, people are mean to them. People are rude and mean. And yeah. And so a or small the time when you see that person who can't reach something just to say, here you oh, go. Can I help you? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's these small things, you know, eye contact, a smile. Y'all, my day has been lifted by someone I passed on the road who smiled at me from their car. But yeah, it's the small things that lift us up and we take those small acts of hospitality for granted often. Yeah. And of course it's important in the church, but you said this before, Susan, you said the church should be our practice ground. Mm-hmm. And we should really be taking that hospitality into every moment of our lives. And there are so many opportunities every day. So if we don't get it right, it's okay. Because another opportunity will present mm-hmm. itself. Um, and how meaningful can it be to that individual? I remember, and this was many years ago, a former youth pastor that talked about the day of her father's funeral. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, if you're not from the South, you may not understand this. But um, when a funeral procession goes by... Anyone who's out in their yard or anyone that is crossing uh, the other side of the street, the gentlemen take off their hats. Mm. And she remembered looking over there and seeing guys take off their hats in respect of her father that they didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how meaningful that was because that was a day that she was in deep pain and others saw and acknowledged that pain Mm -hmm. they looked up that's hospitality they Mm -hmm. looked up yeah and and it wasn't even anything that they realized they had done Mm -hmm. so I I think all the small things matter it they do and the Holy Spirit really convicted me hard one day on this whole idea of looking up and noticing others and not being too busy or too important to take the time to stop and listen and give someone some attention um, you guys know Junior Freeman. I love Junior. We, everybody lo- knows and loves Junior, who goes to Parkway Heights United Methodist Church for sure. And um, Junior has been in this church for most of his life now, the vast majority of his life. And Junior is a special needs man in his 60s who always sits outside the church and is always ready to greet anybody who comes in. Even in the cold, in the rain, he will walk out and give you a hug. Yes. Yeah. He knows what cars we drive. He knows what Bible studies or meetings we have. He knows our schedules. And so if we're late one day, you know, he says, oh, you're running a little late today. (laughs) Thanks, Junior. If you want a good weather report, if you want to know what the hurricanes are up to you to ask junior well there was this one day when I was feeling excessively rushed 
and hurried. And I saw Junior sitting out there and I thought to myself, oh gosh, I don't really have time for this today. I really need to get in the church and I really need to get started on all the things that I need to do. And I was gathering my things up out of the car and starting to walk um, towards the church with those thoughts in my head when the Holy Spirit just... I mean, it hit me over the head like you had a two by four and said, what is that about? <laughs> if you are too busy to see my child and give him some time oh, wow. and listen oh, wow. and pay attention to him and look at him, then you are not doing this right. I mean, it was just like a very humbling, convicting moment. And ever since then, I do not pass by Junior. I stop. And he doesn't need much, you know? No, he, not Junior at all. does not need much. And it was nothing off my day to give that to him. And I don't know how Junior experiences those when you stop and when you look at him and we talk. I don't know how he experiences it, but I know how I experience it now mm-hmm. that he is that steady reminder of don't think too highly of yourself and what you have to do that it would cause you to miss someone important, someone who's a child of God. Absolutely. I think another reason why we don't show hospitality to people is because sometimes we're assuming the worst about them. We are prejudging them before we even get to know them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times when we do that, we miss out on something good. Oh, you're, you're so right about mm-hmm. that. And I, I've seen this in my own life when I feel like I'm not a part of the group. I'm very likely to not be hospitable. And then other people are also feeling like they're not a part. They're not involved. And I've made all these assumptions about who they are, and they're not letting me be a part of their group. Well, maybe they're shy, or maybe they need to be shown hospitality. And I've really had to try to reframe those experiences and recognize that it is probably my own assumptions that are standing in my way Mm -hmm. of showing that love and hospitality of Christ. Mm -hmm. And think about how the love of Christ always goes first. Mm -hmm. And so if I really am imitating the love of Christ, I will not wait for anything to happen, anyone to show me hospitality first. I will just go first. I will just do the right thing. Like the Good Samaritan who said, it doesn't matter that this is a Jewish man who probably hates me. I have compassion. I see that he needs help and I'm just going to go first. Maybe one day that guy will make, will go second, but I'm going to go first because that is the right thing to do. And that is what Christ calls us to. And that truly is the hospitality of Christ. Go first. Mm -hmm. Well, Susan, you shared an incredible story with us, uh, with our small group. And um, I'd just like for you to, to share that story of radical hospitality with us. Sure. So actually, this is not my story. It's someone else's story. Um, I met Ricky when I was a part of a a group in our Methodist conference that was, you know, working on how to train pastors um, to lead worship. And he told us this story about when he lived in Texas and was serving a cross-racial appointment. And at this particular church, there were some in the congregation who were just having trouble receiving communion from him. Like when they would celebrate the Lord's Supper, they were not coming forward to receive communion from a black man. And one morning during worship, when he was about to begin the liturgy for the communion service, he sensed the Holy Spirit impressing upon him uh, this. This is a real struggle for them, Ricky. This is a true struggle for them. And so before he began the liturgy for Holy Communion, 
he just felt led to share with them what the table of Christ meant to him. And so he told them about how he remembered growing up, walking past certain restaurants, looking into the windows and seeing the tables prepared and ready with beautiful tablecloths and glasses and silverware, and just knowing those were not tables that were prepared for him. He was not welcomed at those tables. But he said, all that is different with the Lord's table. The Lord's table is a table that is prepared for him, a table where he is welcomed and encouraged to come and eat, come and drink, to come and receive all the grace of Christ. And so he reminded his congregation that morning that the table Christ has prepared is for all people in all places, no matter what their skin color or what their background or what their past. And that Christ welcomed all the disciples to his table, even Judas, his enemy. So none of us are worthy to be there, but all who will receive and accept the invitation are welcome. So he shares that with them. And then he began the liturgy of Holy Communion. And he said that everybody in the congregation came forward that morning and received communion, every person. And they never had, he said, they never had another issue with anyone not wanting to come forward and receive communion from him. And he said the congregation still talks about that moment in worship to this day. It was, yeah, it was a truly defining moment for them. And if we can embrace that truth and embrace that radical hospitality of Christ for ourselves and then let that live itself out in our lives, we will look more like Christ than we ever have and we will transform this world. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Embodied Holiness. You can find all the episodes as well as links to resources and bonus materials on our website at embodiedholiness.com. We also invite you to join the community on Instagram at Embodied Holiness. We'll see you there.